0: need to ask for some volunteers I need volunteers to uh, volunteers with large boomy voices to read scripture for me can I, does, does anybody have their Bible and would be willing to stand up and, and read scripture Sandy would you look up Luke you don't have to do it right now but I'll call on you later so I want you to find this passage and put your finger in it Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Luke 923 I need uh, two more all right Genesis 3 4 through 6 Susan if you would be so kind Genesis 3 4 to 6 and one more one more John uh, job chapter 13 verse 15 so Luke 9:23 Genesis 3 4 to 6 and job. 13 to 15. William Daryl Billy Mays Jr. was an American television direct response advertisement salesperson, most notable for promoting OxyClean,
1: Orange Glow,
0: and other home cleaning home-based or maintenance products on the Home Shopping Network and through his company, Mays Promotions Incorporated. He and a partner, Anthony Sullivan, were also featured on Pitch Men, a TV series that documented their work. His distinctive beard and impassioned sales pitches made him a recognized television presence in the United States and Canada. His history, at a Pittsburgh home show in 1993, Mays struck up a friendship with a rival salesman, Max Appel, the founder of Orange Glow International, a Denver-based manufacturer of cleaning products. He was then hired by the company to promote their line of cleaners, OxyClean, Orange Clean, Orange Glow, Kaboom, uh, among others, on the Home Shopping Network in St. Petersburg, Florida. Customer response to May's sales pitches were enthusiastic, with a sharp increase in sales after his first day on the network. Though some reviews were poor, he was well known for shouting in an abrasive manner during infomercials.
1: For example, Washington
0: Post staff writer Frank Ahrens called him, and other similar television salesmen, a full-volume pitchman amped up like a candidate for a tranquilizer gun takedown. Why don't you see if you recognize any of these products?
2: Hi, Billy Mays
1: here with sorbe's. Hi, Billy Mays here with the awesome auger. Hi, Billy Mays here for Mighty Putty. Hi, Billy Mays here for Mighty Mendit. Hi, Billy Mays here for Mighty Shine. Hi, Billy Mays here. Hi, Billy Mays here for the Steam Buddy. Hi, Billy Mays here. Hi, Billy Mays here for the handy switch. Hi, Billy Mays here for the greater plater. Hi, Billy Mays here for What Odor? Hi, Billy Mays here for the Gator Blade. Hi, Billy Mays here for the Hercules Hook. Hi, I'm Billy Mays. And I'm Anthony Sullivan. Hi, Billy Mays here for the Toll Bandit. Hi, Billy Mays here to share with you the most important product I have ever endorsed. For. Hi, Billy Mays here for the Vidalia Chopping. Hi, Billy Mays here with another innovative tool. this time for the kitchen. Introducing the Vidalia Slice Wizard. Hi, Billy Mays here for the original Quick Chop. Hi, Billy Mays here with an amazing new product. You gotta see it to believe it. It's called the Ding King. Hi, Billy Mays here for OxyClean, the stain specialist. Hi, Billy Mays here. Hi, Billy Mays here for the Jupiter Jack. Hi, Billy Mays here for the Big City Slider Station. The- Hi, Billy Mays here for the Home Smart Easy Bundler. Hi Billy Mays here for engraving Hi Billy Mays here for green now Hi Billy Mays here for flies away Hi Billy Mays here for Simonized liquid diamond Hi Billy Mays here for the Gopher
0: Some of my favorites in there were the slider station uh, and his his sales approach to a new product that says now for the kitchen um, he cracks me up. How many of you have seen Billy Mays in some late-night hour uh, or Saturday afternoon television programming? It's great. So the essence of Pitchman, of which he is the quintessential example, is that you find this common problem that is currently without a solution. For example, something needs to be engraved, and you need to do it. Uh, Or you don't have enough sliders in your kitchen. So there's a common problem that is universally faced. There's a product that's developed, and you get the word out. Well, here at Dillon Community Church, we're back in the building, and we're starting our year of going passionately. And it's not unlike what Billy Mays is doing, our job. Because this world, specifically our country and even our county, And make it even more personal, our homes and our hearts have a problem. Let's look at some of these problems that are common here in America. This is a list of paradoxes. We have here in America unparalleled wealth and income, but mounting insecurity and poverty. We have expanded information about sex and sexually transmitted diseases and contraception but we have skyrocketing pregnancy, teen pregnancy, abortion, and sexually transmitted disease rates. There are more computers, for example, cell phones, and email than ever before, and yet we have less meaningful human interaction. There is more welfare
1: passed out,
0: and yet less concern for individual human beings. We have unequaled and unparalleled mobility and potential for transportation in the history, in well, let's just call it recorded history, and yet a lack of distribution is the single largest problem blighting the third world. There are hundreds of new books published every day, and yet a steady decline in the general ability to read. Food production skills and capacity increase, yet America gives one-fourth of one percent of our GDP in aid to world hunger, much less the starving here at home. We have more comforts and modern conveniences, yet we're less happy in our work. And we report less time, having less time, than ever before in history. From 19, I found this staggering, from 1920 to today, the number of millionaires, uh, household income or family net worth, the number of millionaires has increased in, from 1920 from 24 in 1920 to 2,886,200 today, and yet unemployment has soared to over 14 million. Pitchmen and problems, and that's before we get to the spiritual side of things. So as we start this year of going passionately, I want to read to you from Romans, chapter 1. Just three verses. Paul says in uh, chapter 1, verses 14, 15, and 16, I am a debtor, I am obligated, both to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. I'm obligated. Thus I am eager also to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Eager. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 14. I'm obligated. 15. I'm eager. 16. I'm not ashamed. So, before we get to the essence of going passionately, as we think about the pitchmen in our world, on our TV screens, these verses that Paul writes, I'm obligated, I'm a debtor to both Greeks and non-Greeks. I owe it to them, so I am eager to share the gospel, and I'm not ashamed. Do those three characterizations that Paul uses about himself characterize us today? Do they characterize you as an individual? Do they characterize Dylan Community as a church? Do they characterize American Christianity? Do we have a sense of obligation to those who don't know? We owe it to them. Does that make us eager? Are we not ashamed? And quite the contrary, often there's very little sense of obligation. It's kind of like, I got mine. I'm great. So there's not a tremendous amount of eagerness for us to get out. And the gospel is usually treated with a great deal of embarrassment. And that's not universal. That is not universal. There are, and I'm going to come back to some pretty spectacular examples here, even in our own church. But what do we do with this problem? As we think about our approach to going passionately, that's the first thing that I want to talk about. So often, and as we go into this year of growing passion, uh, year of going passionately, which is the third in our three-year cycle. Remember, two years ago we did growing intimacy with God. Last year we spent it all on caring community, and now we're going into going passionately. I I think there may be some expectations that we have to overcome. One of the expectations is there's a model for evangelism or going passionately that closely resembles Billy Mays. That we have to yell when we do it. We've got to have a slick presentation. And we've got to have this 90-second this, uh, uh, pitch because of attention span and market research, and that's what going passionately has turned into. But going passionately like that, with a society that's been sold so many things, Christianity becomes just one more miracle product we come across as saying, I'm here to tell you about the most important product I've ever endorsed. The greatest thing ever for your kitchen. I mean, for your life. So over this next year, what we're going to do is break some of these expectations. We're going to learn about going passionately. And we're going to see that going passionately, same three letters, but going passionately is less about the how and more about the who. This year of going passionately is not going to invest time in giving you tricks to sharing your faith. We're not going to set sales goals or assign marketing territory or rank people on hitting their numbers. Because going passionately as part of that vision statement that's etched in the glass above that door, it's the first thing in the statement, going passionately out of our growing intimacy with God. Going passionately is not an end in and of itself. It's a natural extension and expression of our following Christ. The key word there being a natural extension. So, again, to tile this together, this message, my job today, is to get across to you what this year is going to be about, what you have to expect, and even to kind of lay a foundation for what's to come. Uh, two years ago, again, we focused on growing intimacy with God. We took God's Word and we went deep into God's Word. We did the overview. We did that walk through the Bible seminar, where I walked through the Old Testament, walked through the New Testament, which was this tremendous and lots of hand motions and shouting in three hours in the kids, and it was awesome. And then we everybody read through the Bible, the Bible in ninety days, the entire Bible. We went very, very deep because the Bible undergirds, informs, guides, and corrects everything that we do, say, and are. That's the starting place. It has to be. God's Word has got to be the starting place individually and as a church. The extension of that was last year, of caring community. How can we hope to take Christ to the nations? How can we hope at all to to be authentic, individual expressions of that if we can't relate and openly with those around us in our small groups. Um, for example, right now, I'm in a Tuesday men's group that we're going back through what we did last year, this book, The Relationship Principles of Jesus. Spectacular about how you can relate to other people. I would encourage you all to read that again. That's what we worked through last year. Uh, community is so important and crucial to this mission because if our church is in a safe place to be, where we are both loved as we are and challenged to grow from where we are into the standard that God has set, how can we attempt to bring Summit County or the nations in here? And by here, I'm not just talking about Dylan Community. I'm talking about Christianity as a whole. So quickly about where we're going with this. In October, we're going to work through a small group program from Saddleback, very similar to... Uh, to the relationship principles of Jesus and the 40 Days of Love called the 40 Days of Community. There's sign-ups for this. How many of you went through the 40 Days of Love with us? Saw the DVDs, went through the programs in small group? This is very, very similar. Instead of the focus on just community, just relationships in the small group, this is going to say, now with that foundation of relationships in a small group, how can we turn out, how can we go?
1: So it's a great program. Uh, Between the services, Jude or Cindy is going to be out at the
0: welcome table. Sign up, start for that today. We encourage you to sign up if you're already part of a small group. Whoever's leading that small group should have already been contacted about this. Uh, And we hope that your small group will do it. If you're not in a small group currently and you want to be, it's a great way to get in. It's a great way to get in. So uh, you'll be hearing more about that over the coming weeks. Um, But really, this going passionately... And this is the foundational thing. Before we come to the table later, uh, just actually in a few minutes, this going passionately, I, I have to let you see that this is connected to the largest issue, this single issue, about Christianity. The essence of Christianity. Following Jesus. That's it. It's not about a program. It's not about a a quota that we have to meet. It's not about doing anything. It's just about becoming like Jesus. If any would come after me, if any would follow me. Sandy, why don't you stand up and read that? Luke nine twenty three. Real loud. deny himself. If any would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross once, daily, daily. And I was meditating that, and the Holy Spirit, as He often does, at five thirty this morning, kind of hit me upside the head with this: that this process of self-denial should characterize our following of Christ, because. Self denial should characterize our following of Christ because self interest is the root of all of our sin. Let me say that again. Self denial should characterize our following of Christ because self interest is the core of our problem. Susan, would you read Genesis 3 4 and 6? 4 through 6. of all of our sin is ourselves. We choose ourselves constantly. So as I I thought about this, the Lord really put this together in my head, like I said, at 5.30 this morning. And uh, if we look at this three-year cycle, preaching through that mission statement etched in that glass back there, of growing intimacy with God, of instead of relying on our knowledge and what feels good about the Bible to us, and instead of our preconceived notions, we set all of those aside, and we say, what does God's Word say to us? Caring community. What's the single greatest impediment to caring community? Me. When I prioritize my interests above others, when I prioritize my time above others, my comfort above others. I'm the issue. Going passionately. single greatest issue in that is us. Going passionately is not about the how, it's about the who. Going passionately takes an orientation in us to view other people the way God views them. First, as individuals. Second, as a church. This is tough. And it's hard because it goes against every instinct that we have. Because God asks us to do some strange things sometimes. I mean, personally. He asks us to endure some things that don't make sense, like an illness. A debilitating illness. Not the result of your choice. Cancer? No one chooses cancer. Yet people have cancer, and we have to endure. Death. We will all lose our parents, our spouses, our friends. That's not fun. The loss of a job, the loss of a home or security. This self-preservation instinct that seems to make so much sense is the opposite of trust in our sovereign God. As we think about this process of growing intimacy with God, we need to lay ourselves down, of caring community. We need to lay ourselves down and say, John, even as Job says in chapter 13, verse 15,
2: Me, yet will I trust him.
0: So knowing who God is and what he's done is the only anecdote for this entire problem. Intimacy with God will help you in the end. As we get into this caring community and we achieve accountability with one another first here in this place, in the body of Christ, that accountability will only help us deny ourselves, and take up our cross. It's amazing, as we come to this, I I, I thought about this, you know, we just had a baby, and my wife is holding that sweet little bean right now, and she's beautiful and precious. And I was thinking about this selfishness, and I was thinking about the lessons that I've taught. And I described, much to my beautiful wife's great chagrin, that marriage is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. And my wife is smiling because it was she was so hurt by that early in our marriage because she's like, what am I, this horrible hag that you have to live with? That marriage is the hardest thing you ever have to do? But no, marriage is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do because it has shown me how selfish I am.
1: And I said that originally,
0: that marriage was a graduate level in a course on my own selfishness. And then we had a baby. And a baby was like the doctoral work in that same vague. Because my wife may get upset or offended, but she'll live. She'll get over it. She'll forgive me, right? Right? Yeah. Okay, good. But that little baby, if I don't deny myself, if I don't give up my sleep for that little child, it is a life and death situation. If I don't prioritize her needs above my own, she will die. And I would argue that the situation in the world around us demands that same level of passion to lay down your needs for others. Going passionately is not about the how, it's about the who. So, let's make this real. What about the time it takes to invest in a needy person? Not to put myself on a pedestal, but there was a gentleman who came in, and the only bus to get him to Boulder on the Greyhound left at 6.15 from Frisco. So I waited two mornings in a row at the Days Inn in Silverthorne at 5.30 in the morning. I waited for 45 minutes two days in a row, and he didn't show up. We paid for his room. We paid for the bus ticket. Bought him food. I was there to give him a ride over to the transfer station to get him where he needed to go, and he didn't show up. And I'm not holding myself up on a pedestal because, well, let's see, yes, I was mostly clean in my grumblings at 6.30 in the morning as I was reading the Summit Daily in USA Today, and he didn't show up two days in a row. How do you prioritize your time? Would you give up your sleep for someone else? It's easy to do. What about risking your reputation to share your faith? Would you risk yourself for him? Are you not ashamed of the gospel? What about your commitment to worship together with us here on Sunday? Would you serve here on a powder day? A giant dump on Saturday, the pass is closed. No front ranger, no flatlanders coming up. You've got the basin to yourself. Would you choose to worship God here and attend a Sunday school class instead? If you don't think you have enough skiing, what would you give up in the middle of your week so that you could hike, pick your poison, bike, ski, fish, raft, sail, fly, climb, Monday through Saturday... What would you choose to steal from them so that you can give to God here? I know for a fact that Annika Crow went through angst and consternation for a week to try to staff Sunday school rooms with teachers. Would you give of your time and teach? Would you prioritize others for yourself? Men in this church... Would you sacrifice and make the commitment to serve as an elder? Women, will you lead? Will you cook for others? Will you have people in your home?
1: And I'm not trying to indict us that we don't do a lot, because there are amazing examples of
0: people here in this church that do go passionately, that sacrifice, that give up their time, their money, and energy to spend on others and not themselves. Quickly, one story from our food bank.
1: There was a volunteer
0: who had committed to work in the food bank, who had plans to spend an entire day in Denver with his wife, who on the way to the tunnel got a call and said, hey, we have a pickup of food for you, who sacrificed an entire day to turn around at the tunnel to come back here, pick up that food, and stop the food bank. There are so many other examples of amazing people in our church, individuals who are already doing this, But the point is not that we're so awful and that we don't do this. The point is that there is so much more work to do. The point is to cast vision, guys, for the need in the country and the county for us to go.
1: Today marks the 10th anniversary of the attacks on the Pentagon
0: and the World Trade Center and the crash of Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. I would argue, With you, that September 11th was not a tragedy, though it was tragic. Because September 11th gave our country, that has become increasingly self absorbed, one of the clearest pictures of selflessness that we've seen in at least a generation. The emergency personnel who gave their lives to rescue others were amazing. And particularly, I heard about this story on the news. There was one man, Rick Rescorla, who stands out specifically to me. Most firms based in the towers lost either most or all of their personnel on September 11th. These firms that would occupy three and four stories Of that building were wiped out, with one exception. Morgan Stanley and Dean Witter, on September 11th, 2001, lost one man. Rick Rascorla, after the planes hit the towers, disobeyed the order to stay put and got 2,700 people out of the towers. Once all of his charges were out of the towers, he himself went back to make sure that no one was left behind. And he was killed when the towers collapsed. You giving your life can do so much. the task before us, is to go passionately, to deny ourselves and put others first. Forgive me. This sacrifice of giving your lives for others is best modeled in what Jesus did for us. Michael, would you come back? Ushers, would you come down? As we take this cup and we eat this bread today, I challenge you all Consider the orientation of your heart. Going passionately is not about the how. The how doesn't matter. It's about the who. God gave his life for you. We need to spend our lives for others. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And after He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this remembrance of me. given thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat.
2: Open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you, there's none like you, into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, there's none God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, and who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, and what could stand against? And if our God is for us, who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, and what could stand against? And if our God is for us, and who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, and what could stand against? It's what could stand against.
0: the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. Father God,
2: so grateful for your sacrifice for us.
0: That you would lay down your life, Jesus, for mine. That your rescue would not be for 2,700 people, which is amazing like Rick Rescolis, but for the entire human race. God, we are so grateful for that. Give us the strength, give us the courage to follow your call, to love others more than ourselves. In Jesus' name, everyone agreed. Amen. Well, you are dismissed for today. If you would take your cups with you out and deposit them in a trash can.